welcome back to Grid Iron Campbell, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters and the resident moose himself, Mo Nuara. After a three and two, week six, we are currently 16, 11, and three in the Las Vegas Super Contest. Good for Tide. For 476th place, winning percentage of 59% and 17.5 points on the season. Gentlemen, never has it been so painful to pick as a collective 60% winners. And Mo, it might be especially painful for you because you book another winning week, 3-2. and You are 21-8-1 on the season, picking at a 71 and two-thirds percent clip. How does it feel, Moose? You're just crushing the season. You really are. It's been a good season for me, but yeah, um, I feel sick that we are only picking sixty percent. I is this? Am I privileged? Is this white <laughs> privilege? It, it's just it's it's insanity that we can be so downtrodden and yet win at such a a really good clip. That's what's so incredible about this contest in general is that you've got your leader Jazz J A. Zed, he goes five and zero last week. He's at twenty three six and one, an unreal seventy nine point three percent clip right now. He was doing so well that no matter the outcome on Monday Night Football, he was going to retain the lead in the contest. Just to give you uh, some perspective on the week, we were ahead of pace. The average score this week was two point four points, so we were point six points ahead of the pack. Um. 1.6% got all five games right, 9.5% got four right, and 21.7% got all three. Looking at the consensus picks in the contest, which are the most popular plays, the number one play, a very lucky comeback in Cincinnati. Pittsburgh came down the field and won outright, uh, but the other four games in the consensus top five, Patriots, Jaguars, Bears, Colts, all failed to cover and we were of course on the other side on one of those very very fun games that Bears Dolphins game I think we should start with the game that swung it all for us though this week three and two but should have been four and one the same record as Bert Minotti the god who is not on the program right now and Bert has really come on strong his last three weeks four and one three one and one and another four and one last week. He's at eighteen eleven and one on the season, sixty one and two thirds percent. But DP, you did what I did. You blew your own dick off, and you vetoed out Brett's pick for the opposite side in Chargers at Browns. Brett put the bolts on the card. You vetoed in the Browns. Let's just start there. How you feeling, DP? Uh, I feel a little bit upset that I let everyone down, but you know I gotta gotta trust my own rankings, or else why are we doing this? Um, and also, you know, backed by the confidence of you guys, uh, you know, I wouldn't have had confidence to really put that one in there um, if it wasn't also strong on your boards, and it was. Um, I mean, ultimately, my fault. I pulled the trigger, um, but you know, we <laughs> I was I was definitely wrong. The Browns decided to not show up at all. And DP had reason to be confident. His three weeks leading into week six were four and one, three, one and one, and four and one, just like Bert's last 30. But then this was the week 
DP Moose Alert, one and four in his top five. Not the week to use your veto, kiddo. Yeah, not the week. Pull the trigger at the wrong time. What are you going to do? But positive thinking is that I no longer have a veto to fire in y'all's faces. I feel like you won real money this week, too. I've been following your bets on Twitter, Donnie underscore Peters. I've also seen some of the stuff that you've put on the SharpSide app. Be sure to download that if you're an iOS user. Check out the App Store. Like I feel like you won money this week, DP. Am I wrong in that assessment? No, I've I've been I've been doing very well. I would echo most sentiments in saying that I've been doing incredible uh, in betting. Uh, I'm also seven and zero in baseball. Just want to let you guys know that because <laughs> no one talks to me about baseball ever, and I'm just a perfect seven and zero. Just just picking winners every single day. When do local news start coming to your apartment and doing stories about how you're set? You know how when. Like the that octopus was picking World Cup games, correct? Or whenever some animal just randomly is clicking buttons and flipping coins, and they get on a hot streak, and local news inevitably comes. When when are you going to start contacting your local ABC station in Las Vegas? That's that's a good question. I need it to happen. I mean, honestly, I, I've just a lot of what I've been doing is just watching the market. I mean, obviously the super contest is different because those lines don't move at all. Just kind of watching how the market plays out. Also listening to what you guys are saying and where you're leaning and building, you know, that knowledge into what I'm going to be picking. And then also one of the things that a lot of people can do, I'm not sure a lot of people take advantage of this um, is every Saturday, all the picks come out in the super contest. So you can tell these leaders, you mentioned, jazz is picking at almost 80 percent well you guys can see what his picks are and then as long as they line up you can just tail those and if he's picking at 80 percent, i think that's a pretty good chance for you guys to tail some winners i'm looking at you kt nv channel 13 las vegas get on the story hot off the presses okay bolts at browns and this was a thrashing by los angeles's second favorite team yards per play the chargers outgained the browns by three Point three yards per play. I had some very light concerns about the Chargers offensive line coming into the game because three members were banged up. And uh, while I did not think any of them were going to miss time, we discussed on Friday that if three of them are nicked up, then kind of the sum might take a, a hit. But that was not the case. The Chargers O-line was absolutely moving mountains for Melvin Gordon. Gordon's a guy that I like but he really is dangerous when he gets ahead of steam. And he, I mean, he's one of those guys where he turns three runs into four-yard runs and four-yard runs into five-yard runs. And when you're giving him acres of space and he can get up to speed, he is really tough to tackle. On just 18 carries, he runs for 132 yards and three touchdowns. In negative script, the Browns offense really couldn't get the ball rolling at all. Their leading receiver was something called Ratley. Antonio Callaway continues to be unreliable. Jarvis Landry, you know, he is what he is. He's really a line of scrimmage receiver that's going to catch shallow passes. He's not going to stretch the field vertically. So this Browns offense seems to be constipated, even though Baker is making some good throws. And when they get into a script like this, they're going to be in big trouble. Mo, you had this game high, just like we all did on the Browns side. Should we start believing in this Bolts team a little more it was was Burt correct in saying that they lost to two really good teams but now that they're going to play a more average competition which is the rest of the NFL the Bolt should be a team that we should be looking at as one of the better teams in the league yeah this is two straight 
um, wax jobs by this team. So uh, significantly crushing the market in both of those spots. It's definitely something where I think we <clears throat> we all hate this coach. We all hate that this team's talent has underperformed. And I think we all maybe have to reevaluate a little bit where we're looking at this team and uh, see that maybe maybe they have turned a corner and maybe they are playing more commensurate with their talent, which they should, you know. What's really sick is they still don't have Bosa back yet. You know, Bosa foot injury and those things tend to linger. And I actually applaud them for how they've managed the situation because if you bring him back earlier, he's playing through injury, chance of re-injury is higher. So I think they've managed that situation extremely well. And I'm not sure when he'll be back, but they're going to get Bosa back at some point in some capacity. How long he'll stay around, I don't know. But DP, when an offensive line can play like this, then the world's your oyster as an offense. Protection and run blocking makes any play call possible and allows you to move the ball against pretty much anyone, especially when when defense doesn't matter. Has your thought process changed about the Chargers? Um, I mean, a little bit. I I feel like the Chargers are just going to lose to better teams and beat bad teams. Um, I mean, that's kind of what they're going to do or what we expect them to do. I don't think that it's anything too out of the ordinary uh, for what at least my expectations are. Um, I mean, one of the things I'm just – I mean, Mo kind of brought it up a little bit late last night in the chat was talking about some of these holes for Melvin Gordon, just the fact that he's been untouched. I, I feel like – I feel like on every run play, he's just there's just massive holes and he's untouched. And I mean, obviously, a lot of that has to do with their offensive line uh, in Los Angeles and just being able to, you know, move the defenders at will, basically. But also, I just look at the other side of the ball often, and I'm like, what are these people doing? What are the, where are their angles? They're not hitting the holes and closing the gaps, and it just seems like a lot of stuff is falling apart. Um, looking at this game specifically, I felt that a lot was lot was falling apart uh, for for the Browns. Um, obviously, the Chargers beat them handedly. You know, they they absolutely destroyed them. Uh, you know, in, in every aspect of the game. But uh, this Chargers team seems to just you know they'll do this with a bad team like the Browns, who just you know they look good one week, but they're really bad overall. And then when it comes down to playing a good team, I'm just not sure that this Chargers team is going to bring it. Like you mentioned, uh, Joey Bosa coming back. I think that that's going to be super interesting. I was actually hoping that you know the Chargers would kind of just just float under the radar until they got Bosa back because I think that we do all understand the talent on this team and then adding a Joey Bosa, just an insane element uh, to that defense can really, you know, change things altogether. Um, but if this Chargers team is going to be flying high like they have been these past two weeks, I'm not sure that value is going to be had uh, when Bosa does be able, or when Bosa does come back. And the Chargers O-line performance is nothing to snuff at considering that on the other side of the line of scrimmage are Garrett, Ogunjobi, Ogba, and Avery. Like, this is a strong defensive front for the Browns, which makes the performance even more impressive. Mo, from the Browns' perspective, are we afraid of this team getting into negative scripts? Uh, do we need to kind of rein in our love a little bit and try to find spots where they're playing other bad teams? Because even average to above average, this Browns team, if they get behind, they're going to be in big trouble to try to sneak in a backdoor cover and move the ball down the field. It's weird, though. Should they be? I mean, 
Mayfield's crushing pretty much on a yards per play basis. And uh, I mean, five and five point two yards per attempt this week, though. That was pretty a pretty poor effort from Mayfield. Yeah, he had like eight last week against a tough Ravens defense, though. And then, um, I don't know. They also like have a really their secondary looks pretty good to me. So that should help them in those spots uh, when they're when they're ahead. So, yeah, I mean, good running game too. It's weird football outsiders just like loves this team. Um and my eyes tell me they're pretty solid as well. So The Browns or the Chargers are saying? The Browns, I'm not like writing them off. The my biggest thing is they just have no one to throw to. I mean, 10 targets for Antonio Callaway, he only catches two of them. Like he just he can't be on the field, right? I, I and this whole, I mean, th- I don't think there's a podcast out there that supports Duke Johnson the way that we do, but this guy needs more than six touches. Like, why are we piling Carlos Hyde 14 times into the line of scrimmage for 3.4 yards, especially in a game where you're a negative script from the word go? I don't get it. I, th- I thought this was the week. I don't get I really, really, really don't get it. Let's go to... The most exciting game of the week for us. It was Dolphins 31, Bears 28. We had Dolphins plus three at home. We were very queasy about this collective pick. We were very worried about having Ryan Tannehill on the card for a second consecutive week. And then we woke up Sunday morning to find out that Ryan Tannehill was not on the card. We were getting the Brock Lobster. Brock Osweiler... In at quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, with an injury that reports are saying he sustained in week one against the Raiders and had been playing through. He'd been basically getting shots of a a Novocaine-like medicine to numb the pain and been playing through it, but for some reason did not get to play in this contest. There was a little bit of animosity after the game with head coach Adam Gase. Some of the guys in the thread here thought that it was... Gase being upset with Tannehill, but no matter, we had the old Brock Osweiler come out and throw for 44 attempts. Now, if you told me this time last week that we were going to have Brock Osweiler on the card and that he was going to throw the ball 44 times, well, I probably would have just punched you in the face because that's insanity. An insane back-and-forth game, Chicago takes a big lead in the third quarter, but the Dolphins come marching back with two really long touchdowns. Albert Wilson, just six for 155, two touchdowns. Just absolute insanity in that second half. And in the overtime period, we get insanely unlucky with a fumble at the one-inch line. Then we get insanely lucky with a Bears missed field goal. Dolphins go down and win. DP, I feel super fortunate that we were moosed by this injury and still found a way to get a cover in this absolutely nutso game. But I also feel vindicated since the week prior, we were absolutely moosed in that Dolphins-Bengals game. What did you take away from this contest? Uh, they should have played Brock Osweiler against the Bengals. I mean, we would have won, right? No. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm in- kidding. I mean, kidding. well, if the injury is a thing, I don't, I don't you know? I mean, th- this game was 
it was it started off great for us you know we, we were like okay this looks good this looks you know even though brock also was in there we we got up early and we're like okay this is exactly playing out like we had all thought it would and then it, it started to turn and we were like oh crap here we go again and then it came back and we were like oh my gosh we're coming back and then it was like oh my gosh they just fumbled and then it was like, oh my gosh it was just up and down up and down up and it was it was crazy i mean the Ultimately, I, I feel like we, you know, we got by, but you know, just just barely. But uh, I, I was really surprised with how the Bears played, uh, specifically Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, I, I went into this game just thinking like, this is the Mitchell Trubisky dud. He's just gonna, you know, coming off a of bye week, they're getting a ton of hype. He's just not gonna do well. Uh, but he he did all right, twenty two for thirty one, three hundred sixteen yards. And, he, he did uh, three fine. Touchdowns. He did fine. He played pitch and catch. How wide open were some of these bears? Or oh yeah, no, uh, but um, that's that's fine. I mean, that's his his fine was was good because I thought that he was gonna be bad. Like I thought we were just gonna see like nine for twenty. They were just gonna try and run the ball straight, and it wasn't gonna work out. And then he was gonna have to try and win the game at the end, and it was just gonna be a disaster. But he did. He just did much better than I had anticipated him. That's why I'm giving him a credit there. But yes. People were just people were wide open all over the field. Even, I mean, even on the Dolphins side. I mean, those two Albert Wilson's touchdowns. I mean, what he has no business scoring those touchdowns, none. But he did, and he got got us, it kept us in the game, and got us the cover. But I mean, just he six for one fifty five, and two of those were like seventy yard touchdowns where he just took it to the house. I mean, that's just crazy. Stats are even right down the middle. Yards per play seven point three to seven point two, slightly in favor of the Bears. Both teams with three turnovers. You know, I think Brock needs to get into form more. That that should have been a pick six, which that was the luckiest moment of the game for us. We get a very, very, very fortunate, almost a loomy. Offensive pass interference call. Which then leads to a Trubisky tipped interception. I mean, Mo, we got away with one here. We're even now. We're even now with the Dolphins. Illum got us to the finish. Can can I talk about my experience with this game for go, a little bit? Go for it. In just, just for in the Heartland. Yeah, just for fun. Um, it has nothing to do with any analysis. Uh, as some people who know me may know, I'm in Chicago for the World Series of Poker Circuit playing. A few tournaments, taking some PTO, enjoying myself. Went to Nebraska Northwestern. That didn't go so well. Um, but on Sunday, obviously, I was sweating the Dolphins super hard. We had them in the contest. I took them plus four the night before and on the money line. So I'm just all in on Dolphins. Uh, wake up to the Brock News, whatever. Not feeling too good. But still feel like we got a shot. And go to the bar and just... It's it's awesome. We went to a brunch, brunch, a sports bar that served brunch, and it was just packed full of Bears fans. There was one lone Finns fan wearing a Marino jersey that looked like it was bought in 1994. Um, yeah, they they didn't have too much to say in that first half. It wasn't very loud, but then uh, halftime we trucked over to the tournament, and that's when the game got crazy and. I'm the only guy in a room full of several hundred people rooting for the Dolphins. And man, I think everyone in that room hated me. <laughs> I'm just clapping every time there's a big play, standing up, cheering on the Dolphins. And I think everyone in that room wanted to dump a beer on me. It was, it was great. Miami.
the greatest T-Pain. Also, I forgot to mention at the top, because I'm a terrible host, it is Mo Nuara's birthday. So give him some love, at Mo Nuara. I can spell it correct, not the WSB cannot. M-O-N-U-W-W-A-R-A-H. Happy birthday, my friend, and best of luck in Hammond. And I'm glad that you got to celebrate in front of all those Chicago Bears fans. One thing to note from this game moving forward from a football perspective is it seems like Khalil Mack was not right. Now, that could be the Miami Heat. It could be what happened on South Beach the night before, you know? But it's something to monitor. He disappeared in that game, to my eyes at least. And we saw the Dolphins O-line struggle the week prior. Of course, that was when Laramie Tunsil exited. He was active healthy and playing in this game but something to keep your tabs on when Khalil Mack isn't right I'm not sure how good this pass rush is going to be I'm not sure how sharp that analysis is but uh, if if he is less than 100% this Bears defense is a lot less scary to me yeah their O-line played really well the Dolphins I was impressed and uh, one other thing that was just funny about those Bears fans like they were they they all were mad at me, but at the same time, they there's such like an air of resignation with these bears. Like they just expect the worst. Like they they just they're not that excited by this really good team they might have. Like they they just they're they're like uh, Cubs or Boston fans in, in the '90s or whatever. You know, like they they just they don't expect good things to happen. It's it's so funny they're so far removed, especially this generation, from the Bears being such a dominant force. And, I mean, to be honest, they had some great years there in the Cutler years, the, the uh, even the Grossman years, where Rex Grossman took them to a Super Bowl, Cutler to an NFC Championship game where he was ultimately injured in the game. But it's not like these Bears teams have not had success of late. But it's, it is funny you say that. The one I have one uh, close friend that is a Bears fan, and he is totally out on Trubisky like immediately knows that he is not a franchise quarterback and it's it's interesting when you get into these spots with these quarterbacks and Dallas will have this situation coming up very soon with Dak where do you resign them even at somewhat of a discounted rate because Dak's not going to get Aaron Rodgers money but do you extend them and keep them on or do you move on from them the the cat people will tell you that it's valuable to have a quarterback at a lower number because obviously you can build from them, but that means you have to go out and either draft a quarterback or get one of these bargain free agents. And unfortunately, sometimes when you go out and get the bargain free agent, sometimes it's Teddy Bridgewater back from injury and he looks amazing. And sometimes it's journeyman case Keenum who goes back to being journeyman. So it's, it's very precarious. And for bears fans, especially it has to be really frustrating to have this good of a defense and have that, large of a question mark behind center. Let's go to our probably easiest game to watch by a mile on Sunday, and that was Panthers at racial slurs. Racial slurs were a consensus pick, I believe, minus one, and they got out to a 14-zap lead. Pretty comfortable. There's a little bit of a scare towards the end. In the fourth quarter, Carolina actually had the ball and driving with a chance to win the game outright. But prior to that fourth quarter, the slurs were pretty much 
in cruise control. But the box score really won't tell you that. They were outgained by 1.6 yards, Panthers 5.9 to Slurs 4.3. But I think part of that is because the Slurs were plus three in turnovers and just kept getting short fields. So it wasn't like they had to travel very far. They were playing on more of a compressed pitch. And ultimately what happens is you see this all the time in the red zone. When real estate shrinkens, uh, shrinks, excuse me, it's it's really hard to move the ball. It takes more plays. So I think that's what kind of builds into this this yards per play here. Um, but yeah, everything seemed pretty smooth in this contest until the end. Mo, we can never get away with just the non-sweat. They always make us sweat it out at the end. But of course, Cam, the biggest thing that he struggles with, accuracy came to bite him in the butt. He was 27 of 40 in this game, and one of those 13 misses came on uh, that last play where he just overthrew at the end. Mo, why can't we just get a game with no sweat and just kind of move on with our lives? They'll never make you not sweat. You <laughs> always have to sweat it out. Um, this one I, d- I didn't get to watch a single snap of because the sports bar I went to, as you might imagine, had, I, I think they had like, I don't know, like 15, 20 TVs and 75% of them were on the Bears. So there was, I think, one quad screen that had other games for fans of other teams. And that was it. Every other TV was Bears. So I didn't get to watch this one. Um, I, I will say it was interesting because, <laughs> man, the market really moved against us in this one. And I'm not really sure what caused that. Obviously, we know in the Dolphins game, um, the injury was a big factor behind the move. Uh, this one, the market just did not agree with us at all here. And that's kind of, it was completely wrong. And that's kind of been something that's been weird and, and something we've been talking about a lot in the in the thread. And I don't know, it, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to like look at the closing lines and see how they've done this year. Uh, like some of the bigger moves because it, anecdotally it feels like they haven't been super accurate but i have absolutely no evidence to back that up and the market seems to still love the panthers even going into this week i i don't want to sorry for spoiling anything mo but the panthers at eagles i felt like that game opened up a little light this week in uh philadelphia i believe that line is something like four now now i don't have it offhand i'll, I'll pull it up just now but i i feel like the market kind of likes this Panthers team, which is kind of bizarre, especially considering the Eagles just crushed the team in primetime and got extra rest. DP, the one thing that we took away from watching this game, and I think it's something that really helped Washington extend drives, run some clocks. They really weren't interested in running too many plays here. Uh, AP, AD, all day, Adrian Peterson. He's still got the juice, DP. Resurgence game. I mean, he 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 brought it this week. Seventeen rushes for ninety-seven yards, five point seven uh, yards on average uh, per rush. I mean, he looked really good. He looked like he had taken you know three years back off his life. Uh, I mean, he was out there. He ran the twenty-yard run with with one shoe on because it was stuck in I think Luke Keekley's helmet. Um, but yeah, he looked very good. He you know, and it wasn't just it wasn't just massive gaps. You know, we talked a little bit about that earlier with uh, the Melvin Gordon stuff, but. Here I felt like he just looked like he was shot out of a cannon on a lot of these runs. I mean, he was 
hitting the holes super, super fast. Like I, I haven't seen Adrian Peterson do that in a while. Uh, you know, I mean, as someone who's played plenty of sports throughout my life, it's just what it feels like one of those days where you just, you, you feel like you're on and you just have an extra spring in your step. And, you know, you don't always have that every single week, but for whatever reason he had it this week, uh, maybe the juice is back on who knows, but uh, he certainly helped, uh, you know, helped control this game when they got up. I think they were up whatever, 14 or 17, nothing. And then, uh, there was a little bit of scare at the end, but you know, I mean, ultimately, I think that this one went uh, pretty much according to plan. Um, nice bounce back spot for for the Redskins. You know, they were able to hold Cam Newton and that uh, Panthers offense at bay. Uh, they did get the return of Greg Olson, and he had four for forty eight. Um, but overall, they did uh, pretty well. Uh, Funches, I think, looked good for for the Panthers. You know, he had that really good. Uh, Highlight real touchdown catch where he went and got it uh, up and over the the defender and then, you know, kind of held it up with one hand uh, in the end zone. And then uh, Christian McCaffrey did his sort of usual thing. But, you know, this Panthers team, I just think that they, they I know we say running backs don't matter, but I think that a running game matters a little bit. I, I, I don't know. They just with Cam Newton's accuracy and the fact that he just can't, you know, be that pocket passer that. I think he needs to be in today's NFL. I think that a running game would help them where it's not a running game that involves Cam Newton all the time. And they just, they only had 38 yards rushing outside of uh, Cam Newton's 43. So I think that they need a little bit more, you know, to be able to open things up in the passing game more for Cam Newton, because if, if teams aren't expecting, you know, Caroline to run it all and, you know, kind of have at least a a resemblance of, of a dual threat, they're just going to sit back there and, you know, make Cam Newton try and make throws. And yeah, he can make some really big throws. He has a super powerful arm, but you know, a lot of the times he's just going to kind of be wild and erratic and all over the place. Yeah. Only uh 20 yards for Christian McCaffrey in this game. And a lot of it has to do with that front from uh, the slurs. It's, it's something that uh, the Monday night football broadcast kept hearkening the Bama boys up front with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. And, the Saints kind of had their way in that snowball game. But generally, those two guys up front, the nose tackle in pain and uh, their right end in Allen, are going to be super stout, and you are not going to be able to line up and run the ball against them. Another part of the lack of running game is obviously the immediate negative script that the Panthers found themselves in, down two touchdowns. And on top of all of that, you had rookie DJ Moore with two really costly fumbles, one on special teams, one on offense which ultimately you just can't have those things. You can't lose the turnover battle 3-0 and expect to win in pro football. So I am I can understand being a bit bullish on Carolina. I, I still think they're a good football team. By the way, the line did open at 4. It's ticked up to 4.5 in that Eagles-Panthers game. I'm still surprised. I feel like it's a little light. I thought the public would just hammer Philadelphia in that spot. Uh, no other real takeaways for me in this contest, so let's kick it over to another fun game for us. Uh, another game where I feel like we were very, very fortunate. The Rams traveled to snowy pregame, at least, but very cold during game time. Denver to take on the Broncos. 23-20 was the final in favor of the Rams, but the backdoor, boys and girls, was wide open for Case Keenum to somehow sneak through and get us a winning play for at least gambling purposes. And the Super Contest, a touchdown pass to our boy, our love, the guy who usually drops everything but thankfully did not drop a pass in this spot, Demarius Thomas. Uh, Mo, 
I was complaining about not getting a sweat in the last game, but another game, including the Dolphins, where I feel like we got super lucky in this contest. Yeah, this one uh, was the opposite. I, I had all the guys uh, sitting with me rooting rooting on my backdoor cover here. We didn't deserve it, guys. We didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But they gave me one. Um, yeah, I, I wish I would have put the Bills on, obviously. That was a better play than this. But uh, it got there. Um, I feel like a lot had to go right for it to get there. And it probably wasn't the right side but it got there i mean i mean what we had missed field goals uh pick from the most efficient offense but it is showing a little bit of cracks i feel like um just when i watched the game live when i watched golf live in the seattle game and then this week i i don't fully trust him and i feel like the other shoe is gonna drop in the playoffs on my rams 14 to 1 Super Bowl future, maybe that's just me being a pessimist, but uh, I don't know. There's something watching him where I just don't fully trust him to always make the right. He's still making some bad turnover-worthy mistakes. Like you said, not a great game for golf. 14 of 28, and as I noted, no precipitation. That was only pregame. It was all cleared up. Field looked great during the game. Weather-wise, in terms of temperature-wise, temps were higher than the start of the Chiefs-Patriots game, I believe. So we saw how many points are scored in that game. It's not like temperature should stop an explosive offense like the Rams from getting going. But yeah, 14 of 28, bad interception. Not the best game for golf, but you know what? When you've got Todd Gurley running for 208 on 28 carries for two touchdowns, you don't really need the best passing game that Rams offensive line good to have Whitworth back really moving absolute mountains but at the same time in pass pro looked a bit vulnerable that Broncos rush that we've kind of been waiting for got home a couple of times in this contest Von Miller one and a half sacks uh, on six uh, five total tackles excuse me and really got to the quarterback in some big spots there towards the end of the game uh I think the Broncos are going to be a darling of ours throughout the year because they're a bet-on team at home and a fade team on the road. And that's a beautiful spot for us when we know pretty much when we can trust them and when we should fade them. DP, Denver feels like a team that we're either going to have them on the card or we're going to be fading them pretty frequently throughout the rest of the season. Man, that's not going to do very well for my stress levels. If we got a back case Keenum often, I mean, this, this, the biggest issue with this Broncos team to me is just the coach. I mean, I just, they're just, that's going to screw, screw them. It could screw us a lot if we're going to be taking them. Um, just putting themselves in spots that I, I don't really think are beneficial. Uh, this game, I think that they did fine. Honestly, that, that, that touchdown that was called back for Manny Sanders, I think was just a really big, you know, swing for us. First of all, that was a touchdown. I, I don't care what you say. He wasn't touched when he had possession of the ball. That was a touchdown. Um, I mean, the the personal foul for taunting was whatever. I mean, it's 2018 NFL. Everyone just as soft as on, you know, puppy poo, as Rich says. But, uh, yeah, this Case Keenum, I mean, 
he needs to do a little bit better. He did fine. Uh, just just be a little bit safer with your throws. And then as long as teams can can get some sort of pressure on Jared Goff, just just make him kind of get out of that scheme that I think, you know, I think he's really just a he's kind of like a body there with really good mechanics and he can throw well and he can do whatever uh McVay does in in the video game that McVay is playing out there. But once anything kind of goes haywire, then I think that Jared Goff is, uh, you know, he's able to crumble a little bit. So as long as teams can get a little bit of pressure on him, you know, make him work to secondary and third reads uh, within the plays and within the offense, I think that he's going to be vulnerable. I think that we saw that a little bit in this game. So uh, if teams can start to get to him a little bit more, you know, even though they have a really good offensive line, they have Todd Gurley, they have all these weapons all around Goff. If people can get to him uh, even a little bit, uh, they're not going to be winning so easily you know, as they have been. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens if they ever have to play from behind going forward. So uh, this Rams team still very good overall. Like you said, Broncos as well, you know, going to be a spot where we can definitely find a lot of value on them. I just don't think that people are going to, you know, people are going to be picking them uh, a lot. You know, it's just, they're not, they're not sexy. They're not exciting. You know, they don't really get any wins. They really haven't been covering a ton against the spread, but uh, they played two really good games where they covered for, you know, the, the one against the Chiefs on Monday Night Football and then this one. I mean, rule of Thursday Night Football, so we're not going to have them on the card, but they're road favorites this week against Arizona on Thursday. Seems like a great spot for Arizona. They're also going oh to be... Oh my gosh, that's an Arizona wax job. Th- like all just load up your Arizona teasers, please. They're also going to have road contests where they're probably either going to be favorites or the other side's going to be short home favorites against the Niners and the Raiders. So those are going to be really good spots. Uh, they they travel to Cincinnati in a couple of weeks in a spot where I feel like the public wants to love the Bengals, but the Bengals keep bangling a little bit, so there won't be so much love there. But that seems like it'll be a good spot. And then they have home games against the Texans and Browns where I kind of feel like the public likes those two teams a little bit more than they should. And them, those two teams specifically traveling on the road, the Texans with their hard offensive line and the Browns with all of their question marks in the offense entirely, those seem like good, good, they're going to be good spots to bet on Denver. So keep, keep your tabs on this team and their home road splits because I, I think those are real things. Uh, yeah, we, we got away with one here, but we'll certainly take it and we will move on to the game where you could have watched it for, I don't know, DP, when did you think Ravens Titans was over? Are, are, are we talking as soon as seven, nothing, whatever they scored that first touch and it was, it was over. I mean, honestly, was that, was that Mariota miss in the second quarter or the first quarter? Whenever he Went missed to the deep ball, yeah, when, it was 10 yards away from his receiver who had no one within 20 yards of him. Taewon Taylor absolutely torched the entire Baltimore secondary on a deep post, and Mariota missed him by an acre in a spot where the least you can do in that spot as a quarterback, you have acres of space to the right-hand side where you're throwing the ball, and nobody sagging back. The least you can do in that spot is throw short and let your receiver work back to the ball. You're not going to get the big play, but you're at least going to get a chunk play of, I don't know, 30, 35 yards. And Mariota skies it over Taewon Taylor, totally uncovered. And as soon as that ball hit the soggy ground in Tennessee, I knew this game was over. Absolutely blanked the Titans. 21 zap 
Marcus Mariota dropped back 26 times in this game and was sacked 11 times. The Ravens defense absolutely ate up front. Uh, Zadarius Smith, I I consider myself a pretty strong football fan, but this guy totally jumped off the screen to me. He was in the backfield the entire game. He racks up three sacks on five tackles. I mean, the Titans just seemed like they had no shot in this contest, DP. None whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, so I I don't think that we were... None of us are really super high on the on the Titans' offense. I mean, they just they're inept when it comes to scoring. They can't really move the ball. Marcus Mariota just looks like a joke. I think he's just he seems like he's going the way of RG three. You know, kind of really good early on, but ultimately, you know, the way that he plays the game is just not going to translate to the NFL. At least that's what it feels like. Um, but I was just really surprised with their defense you know the titans defense uh, i think that we would all agree that they were we, we view them as a bit underrated you know not not a lot of people are high on them because it's the tennessee titans um but you know this is another game where i feel like the defense and this in this one it's the tennessee titans made joe flacco look better than he is i mean joe flacco didn't have a massive game but 25 of 37 238 yards and a, and a touchdown i mean he looks all right um if you actually watch the game you just saw a lot of you know joe flacco just those quick slants or crossers over the middle, you know, just uh, namely to, to Willie Sneed. I feel like Willie Sneed was catching the ball every other play. Uh, he had seven for 60. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Michael Crabtree was back to catching the ball uh, again this week after he, you know, he had a bunch of horrible drops the past couple of weeks and, and most notably last week. But yeah, this, I mean, this, this Titans defense, I thought was just going to be able to hold them in the game. But as soon as, you know, that, that Ravens team marched down the field, got up seven, nothing, you got Marcus Mariota just missing wide open throws and getting sacked every other play. I just felt like, yep, they just, they absolutely just do not have it. You know, they just don't, it's just not going to go our way that, you know, with the Titans aren't a team who can, if they get into any sort of shootout, um, I mean, here the Ravens only put up 21 points, but the Ravens really weren't trying at the end of the game. Um, they probably could have put up more if they wanted to. But if the Titans are expected to be in any sort of a shootout that involves them scoring points, you know, above 10, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, they just they can't they can't score. They just can't. They win the they win with defense. Um, they hold teams that you know they eke out 10 to 14 points, and that's how they get their wins. But uh, here it just it wasn't going to happen. Titans 2.6 yards per play. I mean, I don't, where is this? Where is this running game? I mean, Brett's been telling me for three years that Derrick Henry is like the next coming of I don't know, fucking Walter Payton back there. Well, where's anything? It's 2018, and I know the Ravens have a good defense. I know Jimmy Smith is back, but it's 2018, guys. What has happened to Deion Lewis? Like, did they just not know how to use him? Well, he played on the Patriots, so I think Deion Lewis is a fine player, but he's James White. Right, like if James. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's going to be amazing, but like they, they don't they don't even like try and just just get him on a couple dump outs, you know. Like that's where he that's where he crushes, you know. He does very well. Just get him get him a little dump out and let him run for you know eight to ten yards. But they don't even seem to like get him the ball at all. He had two catches for five yards. Mo, you tried to warn me. I did not heed your warning. Reverse line move on a home dog, and I did not listen. I tried. I really tried. You uh, did. I'm willing to ignore, like, okay, so you might have a reverse line move. Maybe I can ignore that. You might have um, a public dog. Maybe I can ignore that. But when all these factors start to converge, I think you just got to say, even if you like the other side, you just make it a complete and total stay away game. Hmm. 
I'm, I'm so torn on this whole to your to your point, and it might just be total conjecture. Again, this is this is off the cuff. We don't have the data, but I feel less and less confident in trusting the market, Mo. Some of these moves, my so so I think my my new thing is going to be. I made the mistake in Bengals Falcons of going to the complete other side. And I did the same thing with Titans Bills last week where I, I knew the Bills were the right side, but I clicked Titans and put them low because the market was telling me to do so. I, I think what I'm going to revert to now is if I have a strong read, I feel a certain way, and the market is saying elsewhere, uh, something completely different, I don't think I'm going to change my opinion. I think I'm just going to change my rank, Mo. I think that is going to be my general strategy moving forward. Yeah, like that's what I do basically is if I'm just not sure or if I think I have a read but the market disagrees, I just stick it at the bottom or in the middle at at best. You just you got to go with your strong reads like look for spots where everything converges. You like the game um the market maybe is pointing you in that direction um you know some idiot you know likes the other side uh you get that text do i have that account (laughs) right like you look for things where different things are pointing in the same direction so you you feel better you know and in the spots where things are pointing in different directions and there's no like clear cut read for you. Just put it at the bottom. And as Donnie always says, those are the ones you want. I want nothing to do with this. (laughs) Well, three and two on the week, another strong week for consensus picks three, two and one. When all four hosts agree on a side, we are now 21, 11 and five. When all four hosts agree on a game, good for 63 and a half percent. Uh, that's good, guys. <laughs> like, I don't know. I the the super contest is is a is a fickle beast because you need to perform so unsustainably well to do any kind of good and make any sort of money in this contest. Where I feel like while it's a grind, while we're only landing some some three and two and three one and one body blows, I don't know. I feel good. DP, you're usually the positive one, but I feel I. Feel I feel good. I think we're doing a good job. I, I think we are too. I mean, yeah, like you said, you got to sustain the unsustainability. It's just it, this, this contest is you have to, you know, you have to pick what 70% to be able to win the thing for 17 weeks. So you have to sustain, you know, a really, really good out of this world, crazy record throughout the whole 17 week NFL season, which is just not possible. I mean, you know, you've mentioned it before people are trying to, you know, you're trying to get what 54% on the season, you know, professional betters. That's kind of what they're trying to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, you just have to get on a hot streak, but you can't, the big thing is you just can't have the really, really bad weeks, right? You just can't absolutely fall off the map in the past seasons that we've done this. We've had, you know, not only, I think one, one bad week, even two bad weeks you can come back from, but if you start getting three or four, you start putting together, you know, a couple one and fours, uh, back to back, even throwing an O and five or a couple two and threes in there, you're just going to fall off the wagon. But, uh, if we can, if this is a bad week for us and we can, you know, struggle to get through these games you know on an independent game basis that they certainly were not pretty at all and we got some covers where we might not have uh you know had had looked like we were going to get a cover and if we can just just get out with a with a three and two a couple weeks ago we got out with the two two and one if we can do that and just kind of you know keep our head above water and then 
Hopefully we can land a couple four and ones. Maybe we swing for the fences, hit one out of the park with a five and zero. Oh. Um, you know, we can get right back into it. It really only takes one one four and zero. Oh, definitely one. Or sorry, one four and one. Definitely one five and zero oh, to just really shoot up the leaderboard, jump a couple hundred spots, and get up there. I mean, this week there was I think it was fifty one teams went five and zero. Oh, fifty one out of thirty one hundred. Uh, went five and zero. Oh. So if you can land one of those five and zero oh weeks, an absolute perfect week, then you can really, really make strides. So if we're just if we can hover there, like in that you know that top 400, 500 mark, we can certainly make a run. Again, we're only through six weeks, a lot, a lot of football to go. You know, I think that we're only going to get better. You know, we've kind of been. It's just it's hard because you think you have a a read on these teams coming into the season, then everyone's kind of different than what you expected because football is just like that, especially in the NFL. And then you, you try and just get, you try and get into stride, but you have to do so on a very short sample size. And, you know, as, as the, the season goes on, if we can, again, just stick with these body blows, like rich always pounds home, just, just body blows, body blows. And then hopefully we hit our stride, you know, week 10 through 12 and have a big charge to the end of the season. We can make some, some big noise in this thing. And things change quick. Shaboom, former leader. Now, tied for 19 and i know it's not very many points that separate first from 19 uh, clevta who led last week tied for 19 two and three weeks so like dp said a, a couple four and ones even a, a five and oh or two we start flying up the ranks and to your point about things changing man the nfl things change week to week injuries change week to week what these teams look like here entering week seven of a 17 week campaign is nothing like what they're going to look like towards the end of the season. So I think we just need to stick to our processes, the way we cap these games, and our general convictions, I think, need to remain strong. I I think I I blew it again this week in that Jags-Cowboys game. I should never be laying three points on the road with the Jags in that spot. Texans, I probably probably shouldn't have laid nine and a half with the Texans. But come on, it's the Bills. They're not a professional outfit. The Jag- I feel like the Jags <laughs> with the Jags game, we would have we would have all been on the Cowboys if the Jags hadn't lost the week before and looked so bad. Agreed. I think that definitely went into my capping of that contest. I thought it was a good bounce back spot for the Jags, but man, I just can't click minus three like portals on the road. Uh, that was terrible. Once but, again, but, Mo had the right reads in these games, but but, but you guys t- didn't want to listen. Texans, I didn't hate. I still don't hate Texans. You're going to hate it when I'm sending you bills for pizza. <laughs> Hit the Venmo. All right. That's the pod. Again, wish wish everybody wish Mo a happy birthday. The, the moose is in the meadow. He's about to win a tournament today. He's about to slip on that WSOP circuit ring. So send him all the love at Mo Nuwara. N-U-W-W-A-R-A-H. Moose gifs are welcomed. And follow Donnie underscore Peters as well. Check out sharpside.com and at sharpside app on Twitter. Again, if you have an iOS product, iPod, iPod, wow, iPad or an iPhone, go ahead to the Apple Store, download it, pick some games, track the leaderboard, track your friends, drop some advice nuggets if you think you have a beat on the game. And we will see you on Friday where we create our Week 7 Super Contest card. Until then, good luck with your waivers. Enjoy the football Thursday. Enjoy some basketball, baby. Basketball's back. See you then. Peace. Ow.